Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Sheikh Muhammad Duar. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihuda amma ba'd. My dearly respected brothers and sisters, tonight, insha'Allah, will be the first lesson of a small series titled How Quraysh or the tactics which Quraysh used to fight the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this topic it is quite significant in our time because the enemies of Islam who plot against Islam, they continue from Quraysh and onwards up until today. But the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal, it does have its enemies. And this is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this was not something limited only to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rather every prophet and messenger that Allah azza wa jal sent to mankind had its portion of enemies who fought against them. But this is something normal. But what we are going to be covering is some of the tactics used by Quraysh to try to distinguish or to try to extinguish, sorry, the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there's no doubt that they failed and the enemy's plot continues to fail walillahi alhamd because Allah azza wa jal has promised that he will keep his light on even if the disbelievers and the mushrikeen dislike it. But when you look into the seerah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you will find that initially the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu was discreet. It started off very small. And it started off in homes and it would not be proclaimed openly because the Muslims were very small in number and weak in that sense. But eventually the command came from Allah Azza wa Jal where he ordered Rasulullah that now the da'wah can no longer be discreet. He ordered him to come out with the call to proclaim what Allah Azza wa Jal has revealed to him. And that came in the verse where Allah Azza wa Jal says, فَاصْدَعْ بِمَا تُؤْمَرْ وَأَعْرِضْ عَنِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ In this verse, Allah Azza wa Jal says, 
Declare what you are commanded. Declare meaning what? Openly. What you have been commanded. And then Allah says directly after it, وَأَعْرِضْ عَنِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And turn away from the mushrikeen. In other words, Allah knows that what you're going to come out with, you're going to face resistance. So declare it and turn away from the mushrikeen. What they have to say. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And he knew. Because this was the way with all the anbiya and the rusul. Every single one of them. What they came with was fought against. And we know Waraka ibn Nawfal, the cousin of Khadija radiallahu anha, when an Nabi met Jibreel salam for the first time and he was afraid. And then his wife Khadija took him to Waraka, who was upon true Christianity, her cousin. What did Waraka say to him? He said, I wish I was in my youth so that I can support you when your people turn against you and drive you out of your land. And the Prophet ﷺ found that very strange. He said, my people, my people love me. And then Waraka said to him, no one comes with what you come with except his people turned against him. And subhanAllah, that's exactly what happened with Rasulullah and Quraysh. So once the call became open, and the Prophet ﷺ made the da'wah to all, and he began to call everyone from Quraysh to Islam, that's when Quraysh began their plotting. They began to plot to fight against the da'wah of Rasulullah And there is a number of tactics that they tried to use. The first of them was their rejection to the oneness of Allah Azza wa Jal. Their rejection to the oneness of Allah Azza wa Jal and to the resurrection. These were two things that they would mock. The oneness of Allah Azza wa Jal and the resurrection. They would mock the fact that we are removed out of our graves and resurrected to life and stand in front of Allah. And the amazing thing about Quraysh, these Arabs who were very hard people, is that when it came to Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, they actually affirmed it. Quraysh, they believed in Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. What is Tawheed al-Rububiyyah? The belief that Allah Azza wa Jal is the creator, the sustainer, the controller of all affairs. Quraysh actually believed this. They did not fight against that. So Quraysh, they believed in Allah. And they believed that Allah is the creator. And they believed Allah is the Razzaq. And they believed he's the Malik, the owner of everything. And the Mudabbir, the controller. But they could not accept was Tawheed al-Uluhiyya, the Tawheed of worship. 
to single Allah out in worship. And that is why Quraysh were idol worshippers. They worshipped idols claiming that these idols get us closer to Allah. So it's not that they denied Allah. They believed in him, but they worshipped idols along with Allah. And if you were to ask them, why do you worship these idols? They would say that they bring us closer to Allah. So Quraysh, even Allah affirmed their rububiyyah in the Quran. Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَيَقُولُنَّ اللَّهِ if you were to ask them, O Muhammad Sallallahu who created the heavens and the earth? They would say, Allah. Quraysh didn't believe that their idols created the heavens and the earth. They believed Allah created them. But they claimed that these idols, they worship them because they bring them closer to Allah. So Quraysh fought against Tawheed al-Uluhiyya. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he was not calling them to know who Allah is. He was not calling them to believe in Allah. He was calling them not to associate partners with Allah. Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. And this is what Quraysh would reject from the very beginning. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how they found this something amazing. The fact that Rasulullah called them to worship one Lord, they found that very strange. And Allah Azza wa Jal mentions that in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them that they said, أَجَعَلَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا they said, has he, meaning Muhammad has he made the gods one god? That is a very strange thing. This is what Quraysh said. Has this man come to make the gods that we worship one god? This is something strange. So this is what they could not accept. And we know Quraysh, they had hundreds of idols. There was over 300 idols in and around the Kaaba when Rasulullah conquered Mecca. Over 300. And the biggest of them is their Lat and their Uzza and their Manat. That's their big idols that they would worship. But they knew these idols are not God, they're not Allah. But they're smaller gods that bring us closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. So this was the greatest thing that they fought against. And they would reject the resurrection. The fact that we are brought out of our graves. And this is something Allah mentions about them also in the Quran. Allah Azza wa Jal says, زَعَمَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا أَلَّا يُبْعَثُوا قُلْ بَلَا وَرَبِّ لَتُبْعَثُنَّ ثُمَّ لَتُنَبَّأُنَّ بِمَا عَمِلْتُمْ وَذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرٌ 
Allah Azza wa Jal says, those who disbelieve, meaning from Quraysh, have claimed that they will never be resurrected. That's what Quraysh would say. We will never be resurrected. They used to pick up the bones after they took and crush it into dust and mock Rasulullah and say, are we going to come back from this? Are we going to be brought back from this? So Allah said, they claim they will never be resurrected. Then Allah says, tell them, O Muhammad yes, by Allah you will surely be resurrected. Then you will surely be informed of what you did. And that for Allah is easy. Allah bringing you out of your graves is very simple for him. It's not difficult. So two things Quraysh fought against from the very beginning. The Tawheed al-Uluhiyya, which is to worship one Lord, Allah alone, and not to worship these idols, and the resurrection. From the tactics that they used was defaming the Prophet by rejecting his person, his character, and accusing him of what he is not. So what Quraysh would do is they would attack the shakhs of Rasulullah his person. And they would accuse him of things which were obviously false. The first thing that they would reject, or from the things that they would reject about his person, is the fact that he is a messenger and a human. They rejected that. How can a messenger from God be a human? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this. Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَمَا مَنَعَ النَّاسَ أَن يُؤْمِنُوا إِذْ جَاءَهُمُ الْهُدَى إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا أَبَعَثَ اللَّهُ بَشَرًا رَسُولًا Subhanallah. Allah Azza wa Jal says, And what prevented the people from believing? What prevented the people, meaning Quraysh, from believing when the guidance came to them? Except that they said, has Allah sent a human messenger? This was how they would attack Rasulullah They would say, how is a messenger sent by Allah a human? And in another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالُوا مَا لِهَذَا الرَّسُولِ يَأْكُلُ الطَّعَامِ وَيَمْشِي فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِ مَلَكٌ فَيَكُونَ مَعْهُ نَذِيرًا Look. Look at the silliness of Quraysh. They would say, What is this messenger who eats food and walks in the markets? They're putting down Rasulullah because he's a human. What is this messenger that eats food and walks in the markets? Why was there not an angel sent down so he would be with him as a warner? Look what Quraysh would want. 
They would say, if you're really a prophet and a messenger of Allah, why is there not an angel sent as a messenger walking with you? This is how foolish they were. But the truth is, in their hearts, they knew Muhammad was the truth. But their arrogance and their pride, and the fact that they could not leave the way of their fathers, prevented them from accepting the truth. But they knew the Prophet was truthful, and that he never lied. So what did they request? An angel. And then Allah Azza wa Jal answered them with a beautiful answer. This request of theirs was not something that Allah Azza wa Jal was going to give them. Because an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent to the human and to the jinn. And Allah knows that the humans will be more accepting and open of someone who is like them, rather than someone who is from a different creation. And this is what Allah said in the Qur'an. Allah Azza wa Jal responded to them and He said, if the earth had angels on it, as in, if yous weren't humans and the earth was angels, we would have sent an angel. SubhanAllah, look how Allah answered. If the earth was filled with angels, we would have sent angels. But because the earth is humans, we send a human like you. Min anfusikum, Allah said. From yourselves. Because this is more open for the human accepting the call. So they reject them due to the fact he was a human. They also rejected the Prophet ﷺ due to the fact that he was poor. A messenger that's poor? If he's a messenger of Allah, why, isn't he, why is he not rich? Why would not Allah give him abundance of wealth? And they said this in the Quran as Allah mentions. وَقَالُوا لَوْلَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِّنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٌ Look what they hoped for. They said, why was this Quran not sent down upon a great man from one of the two cities? This Quran that a poor man, Muhammad came with, why wasn't it sent down to a great man from one of the two cities? The two cities means Mecca and Ta'if, and who they were referring to, as the books of Tafsir mention, is Utbah ibn Rabi'ah from Mecca, or ibn Abd Yalil, a thaqafi from Ta'if. These were two men, one in Mecca, one in Ta'if, who were very rich. So look what Quraysh is saying. This Qur'an, why wasn't it sent down to one of those two men? The rich ones. Why did it come to someone 
who does not have wealth, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhanallah, look what caused them to reject, even though they knew it's the truth. Because they asked, why didn't the Qur'an come down to them? So it shows in themselves they know the Qur'an is haqq. But they're asking, why didn't it come down to someone else? That shows the pride and the arrogance. And this is the worst type of pride. Pride that causes you to reject the truth. Pride that causes the person to reject the truth. Also, from the ways they fought Rasulullah and his da'wah was making false accusations against him, which were only lies to attack his character. And subhanAllah, this is something that continues, my brothers and sisters. Every point that you find Quraysh fighting against Rasulullah you will continuously find the enemies doing the same towards the people of truth. The people of truth get called names which are false. Just like Rasulullah was called names that were false. They called him, for example, a kahin, a soothsayer, or a fortune teller. Yeah? They called the Nabi a kahin. And they called him a majnoon, a madman, someone that's crazy. Allah Azza wa Jal says, confirming that what they say is a lie. Fadakir. فَمَا أَنْتَ بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ بِكَاهِنٍ وَلَا مَجْنُونٍ Allah encouraging Rasulullah sallallahu No matter what they say, keep reminding. For by Allah's blessing, you are neither a soothsayer nor are you insane. So, their words did not affect Rasulullah sallallahu because Allah is giving him this encouragement. So they called him a madman. And they called him a soothsayer. They even accused him of sihr and lying. They accused him of being a magician. And they accused him of being a liar. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَعَجِبُوا أَنْ جَاءَهُمْ مُنْذِرٌ مِّنْهُمْ وَقَالَ الْكَافِرُونَ هَذَا سَاحِرٌ كَذَّابٌ And they are amazed, they wonder that there has come to them a warner from among themselves. Quraysh could not comprehend this. From us, a messenger is coming and he's poor? No. They found that too amazing in a bad way. And the disbelievers say this is a magician and a liar. But subhanAllah, he was called these names. And that is a lesson for us, my dear brothers and sisters, that when you are on the path of haqq, if you are called names by the enemies or the innovators and the people of innovation and whatever else, this should not harm you. Because what matters is what Allah Azza wa Jal thinks. No one else.
For as long as you are upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah, upon the way of the pious predecessors, the name-calling of others does not bother. And it should not bother. Because if anyone could have escaped that, it would have been Rasulullah But he did not. He was called names. So never let that put you down. Never. If anything, it should make you stronger. That you are, inshallah, on the path of the prophets and the messengers. Also from their tactic was that they would accuse the believers of being misguided. Allahu Akbar. Quraysh, that is worshipping idols, statues and stones, would accuse the people of Tawheed from the Sahaba of being misguided. Isn't that amazing? And same thing today. The people of falsehood accuse the people of truth of being misguided. Someone who worships an elephant would say that the Muslim who worships Allah is misguided. Someone that worships a human, a Buddha, would say that the Muslim who worships the Lord of the heavens and the earth is misguided. It's amazing. Wallahi, it's amazing. And Allah Azza wa Jal mentions what they said. In Surah Al-Mutaffifin, وَإِذَا رَأَوْهُمْ قَالُوا إِنَّ هَؤُلَاءِ لَضَلُّونَ And when the kuffar see them, meaning the believers, they would say, indeed, they are truly lost. Subhanallah. The lost is calling the believers lost. But this was also from their tactic. To accuse the believers of being astray. And once again, if you are called misguided and astray due to following the truth, Alhamdulillah. This was the same thing with the Sahaba. And people will call you that for being different. But being different is a good thing, my brothers and sisters. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam praised the strangers. In reality, who is the misguided? The one that follows the masses. وَإِن تُطِعْ أَكْثَرَ مَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ يُضِلُّكَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ If you were to follow most of the people on earth, they will lead you astray. That's the misguidance. Not following the kitab and the sunnah. This is the path of truth and the path of guidance. Also, from the ways they fought the da'wah of Rasulullah was them trying to influence and put pressure on his uncle Abu Talib. Abu Talib was very beloved to Rasulullah and he had a very high status and position with Quraysh. And Quraysh knew, Quraysh always hesitated in harming Rasulullah because of his uncle, Abu Talib in particular. And that's why the Prophet 
he loved his uncle Abu Talib, even though he was a mushrik. And he tried very hard for him to become a Muslim, but Allah willed for him not to be a Muslim. Even on his deathbed, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was saying to his uncle, because his uncle supported him all the way to the end of his life. And Quraysh put pressure and pressure telling Abu Talib, stop your nephew from attacking us. Stop your nephew from attacking our gods. Stop your nephew from attacking our forefathers and what they worship. And Abu Talib was very staunch. He said, no. And I'm all the way with my nephew. And subhanAllah, he didn't become a Muslim. On his deathbed, and Nabi Sallallahu is saying to him, Oh my uncle, say la ilaha illallah, so I can intercede for you with her in front of Allah in the next life. And then you had Abu Jahl, who was also the uncle of Rasulullah Sallallahu the great enemy of Islam, Telling Abu Talib as he was dying, are you going to leave the way of your forefathers? And Abu Talib did not become a Muslim. But from their ways of fighting the da'wah was trying to put pressure on Abu Talib. Because they knew Abu Talib would have been able to influence or they thought he would be able to influence the Prophet ﷺ, Or at least if he didn't show so much support to the Prophet ﷺ, Quraysh would have had an open door to attack more and more and more. But Abu Talib stood by Rasulullah until the end. And what they actually said to Abu Talib, they said, Ya Abu Talib, you have been with us a long time. You're from us in Quraysh. You have been with us a long time and you have a very high position and honor with us. And we asked you, to prevent your nephew from us, but you did not. Look, they're telling Abu Talib, you have a very high position with us. We respect you greatly. We asked you to stop your nephew, but you didn't listen. And by Allah, we have no more patience towards him, meaning Muhammad towards him abusing our fathers. And destroying our dreams and abusing our gods. This is what Quraysh is saying to Abu Talib. We've got no more patience. Look how they're looking at Rasulullah that he's abusing their fathers. By what? Calling the people to worship one Lord. That's abusing their fathers. Calling them to Tawheed. Calling them to good manners and good morals. To leave off evil action, evil deeds. They took this as abuse. So then they said to Abu Talib, if you do not prevent him, we will place you with him. Meaning, you will be in the same boat together. And then it's one of the two parties who will be destroyed. It's either us or you. So it's like they're giving him an ultimatum. And Abu Talib still refused. Subhanallah. And when he passed away, Prophet ﷺ was sad. It's normal. Even though he was a mushrik, his uncle, but the Prophet ﷺ was a human. And he was upset that his uncle did not become a Muslim.
And then Allah revealed the verse. إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتْ You, O Muhammad Wasallam, do not guide who you love, but Allah guides who He wills. Huge lesson. Amazing lesson. That we cannot guide people. We can show the way, but the guidance is in Allah's hands, even if it's the most beloved people to us. Also, from their way of fighting the da'wah, and this is quite a funny one, sad but funny, they would fight the da'wah with their voices. And what that means is the mushrikeen of Quraysh, they came to an agreement between themselves that whenever the Qur'an is recited, they would make loud noises and screams. So that people do not hear the Qur'an. So imagine an Nabi or one of the Sahaba reciting the verses of Allah to the people and then you've got Quraysh standing around screaming like animals. Yeah. So that the Qur'an is not heard by others so that it doesn't enter their hearts. That was actually one of their tactics in fighting the da'wah. And Allah mentions it in the Qur'an. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَا تَسْمَعُوا لِهَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَالْغَوْ فِيهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَغْلِبُونَ And those who disbelieve, meaning the kuffar of Quraysh, they say, do not listen to this Qur'an. They say, do not listen to this Qur'an and make noises during the recitation. Perhaps you will then be the winners. Look. They would say, make noises while the Qur'an is being recited. And subhanallah, that's exactly what they used to do. And then the Prophet ﷺ began to raise his voice even more for the recitation. So can you imagine this type of environment that the Prophet ﷺ was sent to? It was sent to hard people. The Arabs of Quraysh were very hard and they were very stubborn. So their attack on the Prophet was a big attack and Allah kept reassuring the Prophet in the Quran, be patient, keep going. And that's a lesson for us. Never to slow down in our deen, no matter what. And they would call him false names, as we previously mentioned, like a majnoon, a madman, and a magician. And we'll mention one hadith, the last point, inshallah, for tonight's lesson regarding this. It's actually an amazing, funny, and beautiful story. That was mentioned in Sahih Muslim. And it's regarding the, the Islam of one of the people in the time of Rasulullah by the name of Dimad radiallahu anhu. Dimad was a man from outside of Mecca. 
Okay, and the hadith mentions he came to Mecca and he belonged to the tribe of Azd. That's his tribe. He's not from Mecca, he came from outside. And he used to protect the person who was under the influence of Sihr. In other words, he was like Araqi in Jahiliya. He wasn't a Muslim, but they believed in, in Sihr, and they used to claim that they had people who can remove Sihr, they can remove someone who's, they can help someone who's possessed, but it was all out of Islam. This man was one of them who used to claim that he can take the jinn out of people. And he heard, when he came to Mecca, he heard Quraysh saying that Muhammad was under the spell. That was one of their accusations. That the Prophet ﷺ has sihr on him. So one day he, he's a sahir, and then one day he's got sihr on him. Which one is it? So they would say he's under the spell. So then this man, Dimad, he said, if I come across him, meaning Muhammad ﷺ, Allah Azza wa Jal might cure him at my hands. So this man, Dimad, is thinking what, from what he's heard from Quraysh, the Prophet is under a spell. So if I come across him, I'm going to do ruqya on him. This is what he's thinking, and I'll help him. So then he met the Prophet And then he said, O oh Muhammad, I can protect the person who is under the influence of sahir. And Allah cures people he desires at my hands. Imagine this man saying this to Rasulullah. Imagine the Prophet's reaction. And then he asked the Prophet, Would you like me to do this for you? It's like he's talking to a patient. So then the Prophet and subhanAllah even though he had every right to get upset and angry. Because look at the accusation. He knew this man has heard what Quraysh is saying about me and he's believed it. Anyone would have gotten upset and angry and probably even mouthed off at that person. But the Prophet ﷺ did not. Do you know what the Prophet ﷺ said to him? He said to him the opening of Khutbatul Haja. He said, Inna alhamdulillah that's what the Prophet said to him. When the Prophet said that, Dimad got shocked. And he said to the Prophet ﷺ, can you repeat what you just said? And then the Prophet ﷺ repeated it. Whoever Allah guides, none can lead astray. 
And whoever Allah leads astray, none can guide. وَأَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Dhumad again said, can you repeat it again? And the Prophet ﷺ repeated it three times for him. So then Dhumad, he said to the Prophet ﷺ, he said, I have heard the words of the fortune tellers. I know how the fortune tellers speak. And I know how the magicians speak. And I know how the poets speak, the ones who recite poetry. He said, by Allah, I have never heard such words as yours. I've never heard anything like this. He said, and these words reach the depth of the ocean in eloquence. I've never heard anything greater than what you just said. He then said to the Prophet ﷺ, give me your hand so I can pledge allegiance to you. Just based on that sentence, he knew. Because the mad, even though he obviously could not do ruqiyana, but he was a wise man. People looked up to him and he had wisdom. That's why he would... Assume that he can cure the sick and whatever else. So when he heard these words, he knew these are not the words of a human. I know the words of magicians. He's dealt with magicians. He's dealt with fortune. These are not them. So he gave bay'ah to Rasulullah on the spot. When the Prophet took his hand, he said to him, Dimad, this bay'ah, this pledge of allegiance, is it just for you? Or is it for you and your tribe that you're going back to? He said, it's for me and my tribe. That's it, because he was the head. He became a Muslim, and then his tribe, he went back to them, and they became a Muslim. But subhanAllah, look, Quraysh trying and trying and trying, but the light of guidance, Allah was just opening the door. And that's why whoever Allah guides, no one can misguide them. And this is a huge lesson. That the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal is supported by Allah. No matter what the enemies try. No matter what they try, Allah supports his religion. Insha'Allah, in our next lesson, which will be in a fortnight, because next week is uh, Sheikh Khalid Muhammad, and of the, the following week, as we wrote Fridays, we will continue with the other tactics that Quraysh used to fight against the da'wah of Rasulullah والله أعلم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم